Howdy folks, it's Chris Gregory here and this is my Bob Dylan podcast, A Headful of Ideas. Today I want to look at um, some of Dylan's early love songs and this is a piece called I Gave Her My Heart But She Wanted My Soul. Although Bob Dylan made his name primarily as a writer of protest songs, a number of the love songs he wrote in his early acoustic phase have become established standards. What makes these songs so memorable is their emotional realism. They've been covered by literally hundreds of male and female artists in a very wide range of different styles. These songs skillfully combine sophisticated poetic techniques with colloquial language. They usually feature disillusioned narrators who are bidding farewell to relationships with a certain philosophical grace. The dominant tropes of the sentimental tradition which had dominated popular song up to the 1960s are subverted or rejected. There are no professions of undying devotion. Realising that their relationships are over, the lovers roll up their sleeping bags and hit the road. Dylan's approach to these songs provided templates for the singer-songwriters who emerged in his wake. He took his cue from the fatalism and emotional realism of country music, combining this with the existentialist worldview expressed in the work of the beat poets. Rather than idealising his lovers or pretending that their love will last forever, he appears to be analysing the relationships as abstract concepts, casting his often unreliable narrators in songs that could be called little dramas. Don't Think Twice It's Alright, which appears on Dylan's second album, The Free Wheeling Bob Dylan, is an address to a lover, which appears on the surface to be a kiss-off song. The narrator seems at first to be addressing the rejected lover in a slightly callous way. It ain't no use to sit and wonder why, babe, he tells her, if you don't know by now. In other words, he appears to be suggesting that she has been blind to the problems in the relationship. This, of course, is a rather arrogant position to take. So, already we may be questioning the narrator's emotional honesty. Here, as in the next two verses, the first line is repeated for emphasis, as if he is challenging her. This technique is drawn from the blues. The second line in the original recording ends with It'll never do somehow, which sounds particularly sarcastic. In later live performances and in the official lyrics, this becomes It Don't Matter Anyhow. Despite the apparent bitterness of the tone, perhaps this is a sign that the narrator's apparent nonchalance is merely a front. Then Dylan presents us with a wonderful collocation of imagery. When your rooster crows at the break of dawn, look out your window and I'll be gone. The rooster is often used as a sexual symbol of male potency, as in such songs as Howling Wolf's Little Red Rooster. But here, Dylan turns this on its head by suggesting that the rooster belongs to the girl. Perhaps he is suggesting that she has somehow tried to control him. Or it could be that he has already left her in the night and is rather heartlessly telling her to wake up and find him gone. There's often these kind of interpretations you can put onto lines in Dylan's songs. You'll find that sometimes Dylan will perform the song in one way and sometimes he'll perform it another way. So there is very rarely any kind of fixed meaning, which is the great strength of Dylan's sound poetry. 
The use of para-rhyme here, dawn, gone, which Dylan converts into a rhyme by exaggerating his Midwestern accent, suggests that what is being said somehow does not chime. Indeed, the narrator appears to be deliberately saying two things at once. Either he has already left her, or he is only threatening to do so. Both readings appear to fit. The repeated line in the second verse, It ain't no use in turning on your light, babe, again has two meanings. When the lover wakes up, it will do no good for her to switch on her bedside light. He will still be gone. There is also a suggestion that she has never really committed herself to him. Her light has never really been turned on, and now it is too late for her to do so. He tells us, in a delightful use of colloquial ungrammaticism, that this was the lad I never knowed. Knowed rhymes rather awkwardly with, I'm on the dark side of the road. On the one hand, this suggests that the narrator is somewhat naive or uneducated, although this in itself may be merely a sly form of manipulation. The image of the dark side of the road may mean that she cannot, and perhaps never has, see him for who he really is, at least in his mind. Perhaps her impression of who he really is is more accurate than his impression of who he really is. It depends how you sing it, of course. It may also suggest that he's depressed and miserable and quite possibly angry with her. But then he lets down his emotional defences. I wish there was something you would do or say, he admits, to try and make me change my mind and stay. Now it seems he is being more honest with her, revealing perhaps that the attitude he has been displaying so far is merely a front. But the line is another criticism, in that it seems to infer that she has been holding herself back emotionally from him, refusing to shine the light he never knowed. This is quite brilliantly juxtaposed against the deadpan line, we never did too much talking anyway. This may suggest that their relationship was purely sexual and lacked emotional depth, or it could imply that they never really confronted the problems in their relationship. With the repetition of the title line, the narrator again infers that he is placing no blame upon her. It is almost as if he is suggesting that the relationship is somehow independent of both of them. Thus it seems they are just not meant to be together. Yet given his apparently cynical attitude, it is hard to know whether he is being sincere or not. It is quite possible that the narrator does not even know the answer to this himself. Dylan presents the song as a drama in which we only hear one speaker, but we can certainly imagine what her responses will be. We still do not know, really, whether the narrator has left the girl or whether he is just contemplating doing so. We may perhaps picture him lying in bed with her as the dawn comes up, washing her sleep, perhaps, and turning over his emotional confusion in his mind. The song is an attractive, upbeat melody, which was derived from the rather jolly traditional song Who's Gonna Buy Your Chickens When I'm Gone? combined with Dylan's nonchalant tone suggests that he will be quite happy to move on. The use of colloquially shortened words turning, something, calling, saying suggests that the narrator is taking all this rather lightly. In the line I'm thinking and wondering, walking down the road, he uses no less than three of these, piling on the impression that he is carefree. But this is followed by the song's killer lines. I once loved a woman, a child, I'm told. I gave her my heart, but she wanted my soul. 
The first line appears to be something of a put-down as he infantilises her. The second line is one of Dylan's most memorable poetic expressions, couched in simple language but wonderfully ambiguous. It expresses a potent male fear that a woman may be trying to take him over and control him. Perhaps normally we might sympathise with this, but in the context of this song, with its many sly put-downs, it also suggests that the narrator is giving us a rather weak excuse for why he himself is not prepared to make the relationship work. By claiming to be a victim, he appears to be dodging responsibility. Or maybe the woman really is over-controlling. This is followed by the title line, again suggesting the kind of emotional exhaustion which can kill a relationship. From a male point of view, this expresses the fear that many men have of being emotionally smothered by women. From a female perspective, this may just be a pathetic excuse for his lack of commitment to her. Perhaps it is him, rather than her, who is actually at fault for all of this. The song can be, and often has been, sung by women, including Joan Baez and many others. With a little switching of pronouns, it can make perfect sense the other way around. Thus, Dylan has, in a few suggestive words, identified a universal dilemma which lovers face. How much of themselves are they prepared to sacrifice in a relationship? When will that sacrifice become too much to bear? This is a song written by a 21-year-old, but his innate understanding of the dynamics of relationships is quite uncanny. I guess Dylan would probably have been quite a scary person to have a relationship with. After this, the last verse, in which the narrator finally bades farewell to his lover, is something of an anticlimax, although the lines, goodbye is too good a word, babe, so I'll just say, fare thee well. Play with language in a teasingly ambiguous way. He's clearly still in love with her, but he tries his best to reassure us that he respects her and wishes her well. But perhaps he is being slyly sarcastic again. The playfully oxymoronic goodbyes too good may be another put down, or it may suggest that if he leaves her, this will not be for good. Dylan's greatness as a sound poet is clearly on display here. He creates a song which he himself, or anyone covering the song, can sing in different ways. It ends with another apparent display of casual dispassion. I ain't saying you treated me unkind. He could have done better, but I don't mind. The narrator seems to be wriggling on a pin here. It's now really hard to believe that he doesn't mind. And when he follows this with, you just kind of wasted my precious time, he surely reveals himself as an unreliable narrator. All through the song, he's apparently tried to treat his lover with respect, but now he descends into recrimination, coming over as being merely arrogant. Is his time more precious than hers? In reality, it is he who is being precious, a spoilt brat, perhaps. She is, it seems, well rid of him. In Don't Think Twice, Dylan thus creates a character who embodies many of the negative sides of maleness. Johnny Cash, having covered the song in a rather upbeat version, called it a great country song. And he, of course, should know. It certainly contains many of the characteristics that make country music unique. The narrator's faults or weaknesses are openly displayed, as in the many prison songs, such as Merle Haggard's Mama Tried, in which the narrator regrets his past crimes, or Lost Highway, written by Leon Payne and memorably recorded by Hank Williams, in which the singer looks back with mortification on his life of sin. 
In some ways, though, Don't Think Twice is closer to songs such as Johnny Cash's I Walk the Line, in which the narrator's declarations of loyalty to his lover seem so exaggerated that it seems as if he is willing not only us, but himself to believe them. Or, then there's Tammy Winnett, Stand By Your Man, whose supposedly anti-feminist sentiments and vowels of her support for her husband actually suggest something else, great insecurity. Yet, Dylan's song is more psychologically complex and even more open to interpretation than either of these two classic confessionals. Dylan is often stereotyped as somebody that writes a certain type of song, songs full of surreal imagery and metaphors. Yet, Don't Think Twice It's Alright demonstrates he also operates as a great songwriter on a different kind of level. Influenced by, in particular, the tradition of country music here, he produces a fatalistic confession using everyday language, but in a way which can be turned around. If you listen on YouTube, you'll probably find hundreds of different people singing this song, and all of them trying to put their own interpretation of it. Personally, I'm quite fond of Eric Clapton's version, which he plays in the Bob Fest, uh, celebration of 30 years of Dylan, in which he turns it into a blues song. Don't think twice, this is the kind of songwriter's dream. Anybody can sing it and sing it differently. One Too Many Mornings, which appears on The Times They Are Changing, is another anti-sentimental song, which is influenced by country music, especially in terms of its imagery and emotional realism. Again, the tone is conversational and regretful, but here the emotions are clearly expressed without ambiguity. The relationship being referred to is over, which is a cause of great sadness to the narrator. The song is, at least in its original version, quiet and reflective. Dylan begins by painting a picture of a scene in stark language. He makes very effective use of alliteration with a proliferation of D, M and S sounds. Down the street the dogs are barking, the day is getting dark, and the night comes in a falling, the dogs will lose their bark. Day and night here function as metaphors for the narrator's emotional state. The silent night will shatter from the sounds inside my mind. This is perhaps a little overstated, but it shifts the focus from the external to the internal. The repeated refrain, I'm one too many mornings and a thousand miles behind, neatly conflates time and space, strongly suggesting that the narrator and his relationship are washed up. From the crossroads of my doorstep, my eyes they start to fade, is another slightly awkward line, but the song itself is about feeling awkward. The narrator looks back for one last time at the room where my love and I have laid. The triple alliteration is... I gaze back to the street, the sidewalk and the sign sounds soothing and comforting. The final statement that you're right from your side and I'm right from mine is straightforward. The song itself is less equivocal than Don't Think Twice It's Alright in its portrayal of a doomed relationship, yet it is a song whose meaning Dylan has been able to play with considerably in performance. A passionately electrified version is played on the legendary 1966 tour, preceded by Dylan's pronouncement that it used to go like that, now it goes like this. 
Later, in an informal 1969 session with Johnny Cash, the duo really make the song swing. It becomes an optimistic sing-along celebrating individual freedom. You're right from your side, Bob, and I'm right from mine, Johnny sings. Another crossroads is faced in Mama, You've Been On My Mind, one of the many songs from this extremely prolific period which didn't make it onto an album. Here, Dylan displays an acutely economical poetic sensibility. The song begins, Perhaps it's the colour of the sun cut flat and covering the crossroads I'm standing at. Or maybe it's the weather, or something like that. Here, the internal contrast in the sound of the words, the alliteration of C's, colour, cuts, crossroads, and S's, it's, sun, standing, suggest an inherent contradiction in what the narrator is feeling. Then there are the line endings, at, flat, that, all supposedly suggesting a kind of finality with regard to how he is thinking about the relationship. But these endings are so pointed, so abrupt, that we may wonder if the narrator is merely fooling himself about this failed relationship. Then there is the extraordinary image and sound of the sun cut flat, as if the scene being described is somehow two-dimensional like the sun having been cut off in a very young child's picture book. But this is the colour of the flat sun. Maybe the sun is shaded by clouds, or perhaps this is a sunset, but the sun, which is somehow skewed or unnaturally shaped, covers the clearly metaphorical crossroads that the singer has reached in his life. Coupled with the words perhaps and maybe, all this suggests an overwhelming feeling of uncertainty. It is as if the singer does not know what day it is or where his crossroads is actually located. As he admits in the next verse, my mind is hazy and my thoughts they might be narrow. Later, in the most heartbreaking line, he states, it don't even matter who you're waking with tomorrow. In an alternate version, where you're waking up tomorrow. But all this is, of course, a bluff. In reality, the narrator is devastated by the loss of the loved one, but his attempt to retain his dignity and move on, and the fact that he even bravely tries to confront the image of her waking up, presumably naked in bed, with another lover, is what makes the song so affecting. In a way, the whole message is contained in the first two lines. Neither the singer nor the listener knows what the colour of the sun cut flat is, Sound and image are united to invite the listener into this powerful exposition of mental confusion. The singer stands at the crossroads, but is blinded by this flat sun. He's got no idea which way to go. A handful of Dylan's early songs express pure romantic feelings, though Dylan's always careful to avoid sentimentality. The wistful ballad Girl from the North Country is a moving and very beautiful evocation of the power of memory which throws in a few highly evocative turns of phrase such as when the wind hits heavy on the borderline and the politely restrained and respectful it curls and falls all down her breast as the narrator fondly recalls his first love back in the north country of Minnesota. Boots of Spanish leather is a pained and again beautifully constructed appeal to a lover who has deserted him to go abroad. Both songs use variants of the melody of the traditional Scarborough Affair. Tomorrow is a Long Time, first performed in 1963, uses simple pastoral imagery to convey the singer's yearning for his lost love. 
Here the narrator is as love-struck and tearful as many a crooner. There's beauty in the silver singing river, he sings. There's beauty in the sunrise and the sky. But none of these and nothing else can touch the beauty that I remember in my true love's eyes. This was another song which failed to make it onto a Dylan studio album, although it was sensitively rendered in a heartfelt 1966 version by none other than Elvis Presley. Elvis treats it as a straightforward country ballad with simple guitar accompaniment. It was later covered by many other artists including Rod Stewart and Sandy Denny. In some ways it became Dylan's first romantic standard. On hearing Elvis's version, Dylan, having been besotted by The King as a teenager, proudly declared that it was the one cover of his songs that he treasured the most. But he rarely performed the song in his early days, stating that he felt awkward about singing such a purely romantic number. Such discomfort indicates that at this point he still seemed to reject any kind of sentimentality. He was on the point of plunging into his most experimental and revolutionary period. His 1965-66 to 66 albums, Bringing It All Back Home, Ivy 61 and Blonde on Blonde, featured many long and highly imagistic songs and projected a view of relationships which was generally detached and cool. The women in these songs tended to be shifting, elusive, symbolic figures like the mesmeric sad-eyed lady of the lowlands, the indefinably ghostly Johanna the tragically or sometimes comically deluded subjects of Like a Rolling Stone, Just Like a Woman or Leopard Skinned Pillbox Hat. Even when he makes a direct address to a lover, as in the joyous I Want You or the Zen riddle Love Minus Zero No Limit, the objects of the song tend to be praised mostly for their intelligence, their guile or their emotional equanimity. There is no moonlight in these songs and certainly no roses. Okay, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. You can find more of my work on From the Pen of Chris Gregory. That's my website, which is at chrisgregory.org. And there's a bunch of writing there about Dylan and lots of other stuff. And there's details of my book, Determined to Stand, The Reinvention of Bob Dylan, which is a study of Dylan's late work. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram if you search for From the Pen of Chris Gregory. And in the next podcast, we'll be looking at North Country Blues from 1964. So hopefully see you then. Bye.